Hey, welcome back to another episode of Rethinking Supply Chain. I'm your host, John Abrams. We're joined again by Peter Montrost, who, uh, if I didn't say in the last episode, uh, Peter has been a senior sales exec in the supply chain space for for probably coming on a couple of decades, and uh, so knows way more about the syndication and content management space than I do. And Peter now runs the uh, the operational side of Venzi, which uh, I work for and Peter works for. And uh, Peter and I have, uh, this is the second time we've done the supply chain startup uh, gig in Chicago. And I uh, just, Peter, always fun to talk with you and, and learn more about the industry and, and your your experience in it. And the last time we were on a podcast together, we talked about the chaos of standards. Everybody's got one, and uh, they don't really do a whole heck of a lot to allow for brands to express their unique selling attributes to a consumer. And we deal with it every day, both on the retail side and and with uh, brands or manufacturers. Even really sophisticated manufacturers haven't really, as a group, pivoted from compliance level communication with retailers, meaning how do I set up the product? What are the minimum set of attributes that I need to communicate to a big box retailer in order for my product to sell? What are the minimum standards to pivoting to? What are the elements of communicating to a retailer that the retailer is going to use to put my product into consumers in a way that advantages me at the point of sale? And the point of sale, quite frankly, has shifted from back in the Sears days where you saw the product on a shelf and you picked it up and you touched it and you went to the cash register. The point of sale system has irrecoverably changed to it's wherever you are and it's on whatever device. And the information that you as a consumer are going to understand comes from a manufacturer that's highly engaged with that entire digital supply chain. And uh, as you were uh, pointing out on our last episode, that digital supply chain today is is spreadsheet-based, and it's, it's chaotic, and then there's a lot of people, and there's errors, and there's omissions, and it is just not an experience that ultimately benefits the consumer. And so I want to pivot from that chaos to where do you think things are going? Because the reason that you got into the startup space for digital supply chain, and I did the same uh, a decade ago, is because there's something happening that's fundamentally changing the entire selling process from from where a brand makes something and and to the point that a consumer understands that something and sees the attributes and buys it. There's something that's fundamentally changing in the space, and I'm curious, when you think about why you're here, and what I mean by here is in this space, in digital supply chain, what, I mean, what's driving you to put your energy and time and talent into the startup scene for digital supply chain? Why is it motivational for you? Yeah, it's 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 fun to think back and, and take a, a higher, I guess, a higher level view or a very general view of why you and I got into the space and it is, um, and we, and where we've ended up and it's 
perfectly aligned really is we got into this space to resolve the friction that exists in the digital supply chain. So where it's been, where it is, is there still exists a lot of friction between brand and the content they have or don't have and what's being provided to consumers. And there's still friction that exists in so many areas of that process. And that's what we're seeking to resolve. And that's, and we've been on the same path and we've, we've finally gotten to a point, I think, where we are, we are building out a friction-free digital supply chain and to expand on that a little bit and get into a little bit of the, not, not much of the detail, but one aspect of the digital supply chain is opening that, that, um, that pipe for the transmission and the expression of limitless content mm. to persuade and, and to engage consumers effectively to, um, to, you know, to have successful e-commerce efforts and, and um, it's been a long time coming, but I, but I see it quite clearly in front of us that while it was so siloed, this approach to mm. product content syndication was so siloed and, and has been up until really the last couple of years. And, and going back to what you said about how long we've been in this space, is it, it's kind of like dog years, isn't it? It's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it really is. It's, things have evolved, but we, we are getting to a point where you can see the um, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, of friction-free digital supply chain. And going back to what I said about it being siloed is, you know, there's a focus on aspects of that, but nothing comprehensive from start to finish, from from really the source to the to the consumer. And I think we're we're getting closer. Yeah, it you know it's interesting. I uh, I, I I did a search query uh, for. It was the name of a grocer, so a very large U.S.-based grocer. I won't call them out, but uh, I did that grocer name and uh, the term API. And API, for those of you that don't know, is a it's a technical way to allow machines to communicate to each other. So uh, it and and believe it or not, it's a it's a really easy way to allow machines to communicate to each other. It's a really easy way. If you're a really talented technical person or have a really large team of technical people, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and it may not make a lot of sense to a lot of manufacturers. But yet this large retailer, uh, if you search for this grocer plus API, you get technical gibberish as far as I'm concerned. And the reason I tell this story is that if I'm a brand, let's say I'm, uh, I'm Yadro. Uh, you know, they make porcelain stuff that all of our grandmothers have. If I'm Yadro and I want to sell my products at this grocer, and Yadro's, uh, are, I think they're in Spain. And if I want to sell to this U.S. grocer my products, I have to go and interpret API code in order to figure out how to communicate with that grocer. And so uh, what I want to link this to is is yes, we've been dog years into digital supply chain and things are evolving, yet some of the foremost retailers on the planet have really, really difficult ways to engage with them digitally. And so when you talk about, hey, there's, uh, there's, there's all this manual stuff out there and, and it's really hard and there's a lot of friction. I love that term. There's so much friction in the supply chain. 
well, how are we removing, if I'm this giant grocer, how am I removing that friction by presenting my brands, the people that I want to sell through my stores and my dot-com and all of that? How am I removing that friction if what I give them is gobbledygook code that my IT department built? It, you're just not. And, and what I want to ask you about is some of our team built a uh, – built a new site called Syndication Solutions. It's It went live, I don't know, last month or so. And that same grocer, actually, has a visual on, our, on the Syndication Solutions site. So you can go to the grocery area, you can call up all of these grocers, and there's all the big ones out there, and you can click on it, and up pops a, essentially, connect to this large grocer, give us your credit card information, get the connection done. What I want to contrast that with, Peter, because you've had this lived experience in hard goods and dealing with major manufacturers, how radically different in your mind is click and pay for setting up these distribution paths to what you've experienced over your tenure in this space? And what what can and just what continues to exist when we talk to brands and they say, "Can you help me with this?" And it's all of that um, gobbledygook, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that manifests itself in a lot of uh, a lot of activity and a lot of manual effort to and and get to figure out what the submission process is to get content over to a retailer um, to you know, meet their requirements, their minimal requirements that, um, that they have for receiving content, all of that. And, and I won't even, that's not even half of, of what is entailed in the process and click, pay, you know, automate the process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a drag and drop approach to moving your content as opposed to, and I, I, when you talk about and I can I can feel the uh, the weight of this process as you describe it for manufacturers in the olden days because it's all of this anxiety of uh, you know this brand wants to engage, but they've got to write a contract and they've got to do some consultative uh, learning and education and you've got to find the data governance people and when you because I can feel that as you sort of outline the the uh, friction. But talk a little bit about how long that takes for a manufacturer. Like what, if they say, hey, I want to do a better job communicating with this retailer, and they want that to be digital, how long is that process? Like just walk us through that. Well, the, pro- the, the process of getting a product, is that you're getting a yeah. product? Yeah, so I, you know, let's say I'm, uh, I'll, I'll go into your hard goods, uh, you know, space. I make flooring, and I want to sell that through a big box uh, uh, hardware store in the U.S. How long is that going to take me? Like, I want to do it today. <laughs> okay, hard hard goods. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hard goods manufacturer. An extreme example is a hard good man, hard goods manufacturer that required consulting help to help get the to help them get their products over to the retailer. It took nine months, and that's with somebody that fully understands the process of submitting content to that retailer. 
quite effectively, but it's digitizing the content effectively and it's getting it, getting it into a format that meets the retailer requirements and then getting it validated against the retailer requirements and getting it over. So I've seen cases that are, that, you know, that go to nine months to get um, all, um, all products in the, in the relevant assortment over to a retailer. And even to this day, now that's, that's back a few years, um, but even to this day, it can take up half of a person's time just to get content organized and, and syndicated over to one retailer. And that's if they know what they want to do. Yes, that's with experience with it. That's not somebody just starting fresh with a brand new retailer that's, um, or selling channel. That's somebody that has experience with the selling channel. That is a, let me, let me just, that is a stunning amount of time. And it is almost unconscionable to me that in this day and age, a really uh, well-oiled manufacturer is going to tolerate a nine-month process to get a product set up at a retailer. That, that, that to, I mean, the amount of cost associated with that nine months has got to be stunning. How is it that the world is tolerating this? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I think in this iterative approach that companies have taken and this siloed approach to and, and the manual approach of just, they started with one resource filling out templates in the mid, mid to late nineties um, to now they just, you know, they follow that process and they don't necessarily think about really real innovation. And mm. that's our job, right? Is to coach them on innovation and to teach them about innovation, but they just, they heap on to the process that they've established. It's just a matter of time before they are aware of the innovation of the, of our tech and the tech that exists to automate this process and to streamline it and to remove that friction from not only that aspect of the process, but every step of the process overall. You know, I want to compare this to uh, banking. So banking went through the same digital transformation. They they started, eh, you know, I'm not an academic on this, but uh, I think they started in the 70s. I, I, and I, I it feels to me that there's a correlation between the automation or the uh, removing the friction in banking that started in the 70s uh, uh, when ATMs started to pop up. You know, you remember the first ATM, it would always eat your card, you know, once you got the PIN number wrong and, you know, we were all wrestling with, you know, do I write the PIN number on the card? So if that started in the, let's call it, you know, early to mid-70s, um, imagine today if it took nine months for your bank to communicate the information about a home sale uh, to another bank. Imagine how uh, utterly uh, incapable of our, our financial system would be to meet the needs of consumers today. I mean, nine months to set up a transaction, and, and yet, for some reason, in the world of banking, we expect that I take a digital picture of a check and that money is deposited in my account within seconds. By the way, that went through a completely digital process from my phone over the, there's a network that does this, uh, SWIFT. It's the Society for World Interbank Transfers or some such thing. And so there's this backbone that allows the communication to exist between one bank, uh, between a consumer, uh, and the different transactions that get cleared literally instantly 
anywhere in the globe based on a shared understanding of of how the world of banking needs to function. And look, that's a far different vertical than what you and I talk about with hard goods or grocery or any of that. But I think it's important to point out your nine-month process for somebody that knows what they're doing to communicate with with a trading partner in the retail space is it is unconscionable to me that we as because we're all humans running this stuff you know we're a human at a at a distributor or at a brand or at a manufacturer or retailer that we're accepting that there's a nine month process to move an item digitally from over here to over there for sale at nine months seriously right well we aren't we aren't accepting it and I think that we, <laughs> it, it, I think that's why you're here yeah right? I know. <laughs> You make it no. You make an analogy that's that's very relevant and very appropriate. Is why are we? Why are we okay? Why is anybody okay with the the glacial pace that exists or the slow pace that exists for getting content, getting getting information on products that you want to sell over to a retailer so a consumer can purchase the product? Yeah, I yeah, I it it costs sales. It 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 is lost. It is lost opportunity for a brand, for a retailer, and frustrates a consumer. I don't know how many times I, I go to a website and it says image coming soon. Well, I, so is my purchase. My purchase is coming soon too. I've been wanting to buy a particular desk lamp for, uh, you know, this is a reoccurring theme on this uh, podcast. There's a, I have a workbench that I set up and I want a particular kind of light and I can't find it because it's an industrial light and industrial for some reason, you might know better than I, industrial for some reason doesn't do a great job at communicating consumer facing information. So I cannot tell you how many times I've been looking for this particular kind of light and I'll I'll literally run into image coming soon or what's even more fun, there's an image and there's no way for me to get a sense of how big that light is. It honestly could be a three-inch highlight, or it could be 13 feet. I don't know. I have no way to understand it. And the mechanics of it, the size, the dimensions, weights, are either not there or they're inaccurate. And yet we are, somebody's okay displaying that kind of uh, fracture in a consumer-facing website. Right. But not the brand. I, I think if they looked at it, they'd be mortified. And um, and yeah, there's there's far too much of that that exists. Is is the disconnect? Um, you know, the disconnect of content from one to the other, and the recognition of what that what that really means. I think that brands are um, they're playing a dangerous game with that. Yeah, and and. Brands are talking about this. I, I, I talk about, because I listen to uh, CEOs of brands, uh, whether they're on Squawk Box or, or whatever the, the format is. Um, and there's a lot of frustration from, from consumer-facing brands. They don't understand why they're not relevant to consumers uh, or why they're struggling to remain relevant. You know, if you're a 100-year-old brand uh, and you've got a large consumer base, but everybody's purchasing online, how did that shift? How did you as a manufacturer shift from conveying the same qualities 
uh, in the same engagement that you did on a shelf to a digital world. And a lot of people are struggling with that. And COVID didn't help. COVID just simply put in your face that you don't have a decent digital engagement uh, formula. We've got a few minutes left. I, how does syndication solutions in your mind, because uh, here, I'm going to ask you to do something that's really difficult. Imagine you're 10 years ago and the syndication solutions buying opportunity, the, the way to engage with a retail vehicle with your product information. Imagine 10 years ago, you see the visual of syndication solutions. What does that communicate to you? What Do you even know how to process that? Or is it like, yeah, this is what I'm looking for? I, it'd be two things. It'd be, this is what I'm looking for, but also, uh, boy, we got a lot of work to do with every, with, with every brand out there to understand above all the white noise that exists from existing paradigms around product information, around product data, around data period, um, adjusting that paradigm in brands' minds. But I think that the market has, there, there is, um, there have been the early adopters, there's been this progression and um, levels of innovation that have moved brands along so that, um, you know, we're talking about a lot who are still, where, where there's, they still have a lot of friction in the process. And I would say a vast majority still have, have some level of friction in the process of getting their content over to their selling channels. But, um, but yeah, I would look at it two ways. I would say we got a lot of work to do to educate. And, um, but that was the, that's what we're doing now has really been the vision all along. When I talked about in, in this other podcast, when I talked about prior generations, you know, it was just a challenge to, if on a, on a content syndication platform that is purely designed to expedite the, 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 um, transformation or validation of content and the delivery of content to a retailer. So part of the digital supply chain, those platforms were incredibly difficult to get content into in the first place, mm. right? So the next generation was easing that process, removing friction from getting content uploaded into the platform so that it can be validated over to the retailer. And we're talking about removing friction from every aspect of the process. So this iterative approach, and I think we're, we're moving certainly um, closer to the the ultimate solution of removing all friction from the process. Yeah, and I, I think, it, and much like you, I, I think it can't come soon enough, uh, that vision of removing friction from the process. It's, uh, it will unlock tremendous financial uh, and human resources in the space as that happens. And, uh, and it's inevitable in, in my view, and I think in yours as well. And I think it's why we were both drawn to the early stage startup community in digital supply chain because it is the future. And I just want to say as we uh, wrap up, it's it's really been a pleasure uh, working with you over these years. It, it does seem that things have changed radically just in the seven or so years we've been working together. Uh, it does feel we're on the cutting edge, the vanguard of, of what's happening in digital supply chain. And I I couldn't ask for a better partner to, uh, you know, to help unlock this opportunity. So thanks for your time, your energy, and your expertise. And uh, it was great talking to you again. Thanks, John. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rethinking Supply Chain, sponsored by Venzi. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast at RethinkingSupplyChain.com and share this episode with your network. 
You can also learn more about Venzi at venzi.com. Thanks for listening.